0: We are called to live faithfully for Jesus, 168 hours a week.
1: Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm glad to be here with my co-host, Brother Brandon. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Brother Chris. It's truly a holy joy to discuss once more how we can fuel our faith for all 168 hours of the week. And thank you to each of our listeners for joining us once again for another insightful episode. We trust that you'll be blessed and challenged as you study the scriptures with us today. And we hope you'll stay tuned to the very end as we conclude our discussion of real faith versus false faith.
1: Yeah, and that's the, the discussion we're continuing here, this subject of faith and works that can be pretty controversial at times. But if you recall last week, we talked about the difference between this faith that was dead and alive, the the dead faith, that false faith being an inactive faith, and a living faith being vibrant and noticeable to the naked eye. And this much, I don't think we can budge on at all. I don't think this is really a topic up for discussion. I I know that people like to argue over this, but I think it's pretty clear when we take into consideration the context in which James is writing and all of the other stuff that he's written and just looking at scripture in general, what he is meaning here. So we can't budge on this because true, genuine faith leads to action. So that's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to continue with in this Bible study. And we're just going to go ahead and jump into the scripture over in James chapter 2, verse 18 through 23. And James writes this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And that's one, I think that verse 23 right there is one to underline, because that really helps us understand the full meaning of what James is trying to get here. But let's go ahead and just jump to the top there about what mm-hmm. James is talking about. And this is a very simple point. Knowledge is not faith. Not, not one bit of knowledge is equivalent to faith or, or, or means that you have faith. But obedience shows true faith. Believing in the existence of God is great. There's a lot of people that believe in higher powers. There's a lot of people that even believe in the living God, the God of Christianity, the God that we're talking about today. But they just have this knowledge, not even a true belief. I, I hate to even call it saying they believe. Yeah, there is an existence of God, but they acknowledge, they acknowledge that God exists. They acknowledge that he created the universe, but never submit to his authority. They're never obedient to his call. And I like what James does right here in showing this, because there's a lot of people that will claim to have faith. Uh, I have faith in God. I acknowledge he's there, but I don't follow where he calls me to. I don't listen to him when he tells me to do something. And so he he compares people like that to the demons. He says, even the demons believe that. Even the demons acknowledge the existence of God. They even acknowledge his authority. And, and a lot of times they're more obedient <laughs> under his authority than. We are when it comes to acknowledging his existence. Don't you recall that time that, that, that man came out and he had been possessed by many demons and, uh, Jesus confronted him and, and those demons, they knew exactly who Jesus was and they cried out and they said, Hey, Hey, don't, don't destroy us. Don't, don't do this to us. Don't. Uh, you know, anything but destroying us. Let, yeah, us yeah. let us go over into these swine. And they acknowledged Christ. They acknowledged his authority. And I think they even listened to Christ better than a lot of people that are similar to the demons and just simply acknowledging the power of God, acknowledging his existence. Because the demons even fleed at the command of Christ. They went into those swine and they drowned themselves in the ocean. And so he he compares us, uh, those that, that claim to have faith without action, to demons. Uh, even the demons know of God's existence. Even the demons know his name, and they shudder. Right. And that's the difference, though. You know, these demons, they believe in the existence, but they shudder. A lot of times, people that say that they have a faith, but it's dead, there's no works or no fruit to back that up. They don't shudder a lot of times. And that's a scary thing, isn't it? And when you read in Romans chapter 3 and, and look down through there about how there's no one righteous, no, not one. You go all the way down through the depravity of mankind. And one of the depraved things of humanity is that at the end of all of that, they have no fear of repercussion. They have no fear of of God coming against them or the wrath of God upon their sins. And that's, that's maybe the difference where, where demons are even a little bit above the order there because they believe in God, they know his existence and yet they still shudder and mankind often does not. Right. But wow. faith but faith is like friendship, I believe here. And, and I think that's a very important thing that we need to look at. That's why I said, underline that thing about Abraham is because it said that Abraham was a friend to God right after explaining this, this understanding that we look in the Old Testament. And and this is actually talked about throughout the scripture about how he believed, how he had faith and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And and that idea that that was because he was a friend of God is very important because I know many people, uh, in fact, Take brother Brandon, for example, he and I are friends and that's important. And he knows that we're friends because we're active in each other's lives. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm hanging out with him every day because we live in two completely different states, but we communicate, we, we make plans, uh, we, Are excited about the same things. If something happens in my life that's exciting, he and brother Rob are usually the first two that I share those experiences with, and I'm active in his life. That's what a friend is. And you you have this misunderstanding, I believe, in the world today about what friendship is and acquaintanceship is. And I can be friendly with a lot of people. But that by no means means that I am their friend because if I'm not active in their life, if I'm not taking part in their life, if they're not someone that I share my failures with and my my joyous times with and my accomplishments with, then I can't really call them a friend because I move to action for my friends. I answer the phone when my friends call, I do the things that my friends want me to do. You see, a friend has authority in my life, but an acquaintance does not. And I think many times we like to equate our acquaintanceship with God to friendship with God. Hmm. And that's where we start to get in trouble because if God is your acquaintance, you have no real relationship with him. You know that he exists. You even know probably of his authority. And sometimes you even know all of the scripture talking about all of this, but it doesn't move you to action. That's not being a friend of God. That's not having a living faith. That's really deception. That's that's really a dead faith. But he goes on here and, and, and we see this. Do you you want to be shown, you foolish person. Man, I underline that a lot of times because James <laughs> didn't, didn't fool around with words right here. You foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. And that's true. Just, just think about having the tools for a job. Say you're building a house and you need a hammer and you have that hammer at your disposal. To, to help build this house and it's right there in front of you and you know what it's used for and you need it but instead you start smacking it with a helmet or uh, have you ever done this brother Brandon when you couldn't find a hammer maybe use the back of a screwdriver or, or whatever a, is within a, reach <laughs> whatever yeah. is within reach but it doesn't do the job the correct way it exactly. usually causes more chaos than it does good but it's, it's even more foolish And here. It's almost like you have a hammer right there at your disposal, and then you never use it anyway. And so you foolish person, that faith from uh, with, apart from works is useless. Do you not know that? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And I think it's important to note this here, that his actions, his works are not what saved him. It was his belief. It was his faith. And because of that belief, because of that faith, because of that friendship that he had with God, it led him to action, knowing that he could trust in God, that God was going to provide for him and that he could do whatever God called him to do because he wasn't going to let him down. But there's a couple of scriptures I'd like to read here that kind of go along with this in first John chapter three, verse 17 through 18. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And so we see the union of of faith and works right here, that if we truly had the love of God, if we truly had this relationship with God, it would be shown in the way that we live. It would be shown in our works and so it says, don't just talk about it, but be about it. And we see that with, with Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so because because he was a friend of God, Abraham was his friend of God, he knew that he was going to back him up. He knew that God was, was a God of his word. He knew that God had promised him many things through Isaac. And if God was saying, sacrifice him son, he was either going to provide a different sacrifice or he was going to raise his son, Isaac from the dead. And that faith, that faith led him into good works. That faith led him into the ability to walk forward and do what God called him to do. And how we can understand this in that friendship respect. I'm friends with Brandon because I trust him. If Brandon tells me to do something, I might not understand it and he's imperfect. So this isn't the best analogy in the whole world, but most (laughs) of the time when, yeah, very imperfect. I'm not going to tell you exactly how imperfect, but because we don't have time. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But if he tells me something, say for hiking. He he loves to hike. That's one of his passions. If he tells me to do something to help improve my hiking abilities, that's not something I'm good at. That's not something I know as much about. I'm going to listen to his advice on that because he knows what's best and he's my friend and I trust him. And and so if he says, I need to put more in my backpack, even though it weighs more, I'm going to do that because he knows later on down that hike, I'm going to need some of those supplies or it's not going to be a good hike at all. And I listen to him because he's my friend and he's looking out for what's best for me. And that's what we need to understand about God is that he loves us and he wants the best for us. And when he calls us to something, to do something, even if we don't understand it, it's because he wants what's best for us and to ignore it is to say, you know what? I really don't trust what you're doing in my life. I don't trust Hmm. what you're saying. I don't trust where you're leading me. And that's what I would say to an acquaintance, not a friend. So brother Brandon, can you share with us any insight on this passage?
0: Absolutely. And thank you, brother Chris, for those insightful words and clarifying comments. This is a passage of scripture that can really cause us a lot of headache and heartache, as we said before, because James uses some language here that might initially be confusing or even alarming to us, especially when he says in verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works? And down in verse 24, when he says, you see that a person is justified by works, and not by faith alone. It seems to fly in the face of everything else we know from the New Testament regarding salvation. Because as we've already seen in previous episodes, salvation comes to us clearly as a gift of God by faith. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 2 that we're saved by grace through Mm -hmm. faith. We come to the Lord God empty-handed with a heart of faith, and we say, I'm needy, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I need the salvation that Christ has provided, and I know there's no act of righteousness or no good works I can present before you to justify myself. Mm -hmm. So with all of that in mind, what does James mean when he says that we're not justified by faith alone? Well, he's already made it very clear that we are justified and made right by faith, but the faith that justifies us is never by itself. It's never alone. Mm-hmm. It always manifests itself in the generation and production of good works. Right. And really what James is doing in this portion of Scripture is showing us how faith and works are inseparable. Mm-hmm. You know, You can't claim to have faith. And have no works. You, know, you can't have one without the other. They are really a match made in heaven. Right. Uh, they cannot be divorced. They are two realities that are inseparably connected. And so he's been giving us several examples of this. Uh, the first example he gives us is a negative one. He takes us to the demonic realm, as uh, Brother Chris has already done in explaining that portion of scripture. And he says, first, look to the demons, which is really interesting advice coming from James, right? Uh, You want to know about the relationship between faith and works? Look at the demons. And the point he makes there is very clear. The demons have some level of belief, some level of so-called faith, we could say. And he says in verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So the demons have this mental assent that God exists. They have some level of belief, but it's not good enough. It's not true saving faith because it doesn't manifest in life change. It doesn't show up in the production of good works. And then very quickly, James takes us to some positive examples, takes us away from the demonic realm and takes us to Abraham. He says, look at Abraham. He went all the way up that mountain with his son Isaac and was willing to sacrifice him. Mm -hmm. Why? Why did he do that? What was it that compelled and drove him to do that? Mm -hmm. His faith. The faith that he was already justified by way back early in the scripture, as far back as Genesis 15, when God told him that He would bless him, bless the families of the earth through his seed. He believed that promise with faith. He believed that God was going to provide for him. And it's that faith that drove him up the mountain. It's not the other way around. It's his faith that led to his works. There was an inseparable connection there. Right. And then the second example in the Old Testament that James takes us to is about as surprising as the example of demons. He takes us to the story of Rahab, the prostitute, Mm -hmm. in in verse uh, 25. He says, And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Wow, this passage has really taken some interesting turns. First, he said, you want to see what dead faith is all about? Look to the demons. If you want to see what true faith is all about, look to a pretty unsavory character in the Old Testament, Rahab the prostitute. Now, you probably know about Rahab from reading the book of Joshua. She was very different from Abraham. She was not an Israelite. She was not a Jew. She was certainly not a patriarch. She was, well, a heathen. She was a Mm -hmm. Gentile and an unclean person an outsider, and a foreigner to the covenant people of Israel. And yet, she had something very important in common with Abraham. Not her upbringing, not her ethnicity, not her culture. What she had in faith with Abraham was, or what she had in common with Abraham was her faith. Right. She demonstrated Mm -hmm. faith in the God of Israel, And she demonstrated that by extending hospitality to the spies that Joshua sent to investigate the city of Jericho. Her being kind and gracious to them clearly demonstrated that she had abandoned all faith in her pagan gods and she had decided to trust in the true and living God, the
1: God of Israel. And no better time for her to put her faith in God at that moment when, exactly. when the walls were about to go crumbling down. Yes. Yes. So it was
0: a timely faith as well. Yes. Um, and so once again, what you have in this example of Rahab is a faith that is demonstrated in good works. A faith that produces good works. And James is telling us, look, you can have as good of an upbringing as Abraham did and demonstrate this true faith, or you can be sort of an outcast kind of person, pushed to the edges of society, an unclean Gentile like Rahab, and still demonstrate true faith. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we see that James brings all of this discussion to a sum in verse 26 with a very helpful analogy that really none of us can disagree with. Notice what he says in verse 26 as he concludes this discussion. He says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. What's James talking about here? Well, he's talking about this dualism that we exist in as human beings. We are not just flesh and blood. We are flesh and blood, but that's not all. We have a spiritual self, a soul, a spirit encased within our fleshly tent. And James is telling us here that if the spirit is gone from us, if we have no soul, if our spiritual self has either departed to the presence of the Lord or to eternal destruction in hell, then all you have left behind is just a lifeless corpse, just a body. He says the body apart from the spirit is dead. If you separate those things, then you just have death. And he says, likewise, faith apart from works is dead. Those two things are inseparable. You got to have those two things together. And if you have faith, uh, if you have an absence of faith, rather, Mm -hmm. then you're just lifeless. You don't have Mm -hmm. true spiritual life in Christ. Yes. Yes. Now, that's an unfortunate reality, but there is some good news. If you are lifeless, if you do not possess true and saving faith in Christ, you can possess that today, and you can be made alive through God's grace in Christ. Mm -hmm. You just need to have the same realization that Abraham did. See, Abraham realized that he couldn't be justified by his good works and that he needed God to provide salvation for him. And if you have that realization today, then you can be made right in God's sight. God will make you alive and he will give you a living and active faith. Realize that you cannot be made right by your works and realize that God alone can provide the salvation you need through Jesus Christ.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think, too, as we look at the church today, that we get a little bit downtrodden because we think, man, it seems like all these churches are dying. There's, there's very few churches that have been left untouched by some of these new worldly ideologies and the pandemic and so many other things that have torn churches apart. And we like to complain that those are what t- tore the churches apart but I would say that it's the same problem right here that James is talking about that really tore the church apart is that so many people in the United States shouted out that they had faith. They cried out, Lord, Lord, they prophesied in his name. They did all these miraculous things in his name, but they never truly knew him. If you want to see revival in the church, Let's just say specifically your church, whoever's listening to this right now. Maybe you're looking around and it seems a little dismal in your church. It starts with you. It starts with you. It it, it starts with you putting aside all of the negative parts of this world and just saying, you know what, instead of sitting down and doing nothing, I am going to act upon my faith. I am going to to show that I have a vibrant and living faith. Jesus quickly gathered a following of people everywhere he went. People listened to him, people followed him, people gave their lives to him. Why? Because you you could see that the things that he was saying matched up with the things he was doing. And it it was completely different than what the people had experienced with the religious leaders of the day, like the Pharisees who often preached the right things. Didn't Jesus actually say that one time, you know, listen to the Pharisees on what they're saying because when they were talking, they read out of the scripture, but he said, don't do what they're doing because everything that they're doing is wrong. But as he preached the grace and the love of God and also lived out that grace, that was something that attracted people. And there's a reason that the church is very unattractive to the world today is because we preach grace, we preach love, but we don't show it. And that's, that's one of the things we looked about in first John uh, chapter three, just a little bit earlier uh, that, that we're supposed to share the love of God. And I want you to know that there's only one way to share the love of God, and that's a work. Sharing the love of God is a work. Right. It is enacted by faith, but you can't have the love of God. You can't have agape unconditional love in your life outside of a relationship with Christ. You must start with faith. But I promise you this just as as James says here that The life force of faith is works. If you have a true, genuine faith, it will be seen by the world around you in what you do. So, Brother Brandon, do you have any closing remarks before we dismiss? I don't believe I do. I think we've covered all this ground. Well, awesome. All right. Well, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us here at the Faith 168 Podcast. As always, Brother Brandon, it was a joy to record another episode with you. And so I'm just going to go ahead and ask you to dismiss us in prayer today. Sure.
0: Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this insightful study of your word. And we thank you for telling us about true faith and false faith. And we thank you that by your grace, uh, those of us who know you, that you have given us this true faith in Christ. It's not something we could. Produce of our own accord. We couldn't reach down deep into our hearts and pull it out. You gave it to us as a gift, and we are eternally grateful for that. And we simply pray that you might continue to be gracious and kind to us and help us to demonstrate our faith by good works, by acts of mercy, and by love. Mm -hmm. And we pray that you might bless every listener of this episode today, help them all to have true faith and to show it by the way they live. And Father, we pray that you'd be with us as we go through the remaining 168 hours. pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.